Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. Two questions collide at the cross. The first is this. Does God hate sin? He does. Look no further than the cross. To see what form God's judicial response to sin finally takes. For the wrath of God was poured out against sin at the cross. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. And there upon that old rugged cross, God judged our sin. Does God hate sin? He really does. But there's a second question that collides with the first at the cross. Does God love us? He really does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Does God love us? I don't know, you may be in this room tonight, you may be joining us by virtual means, and you may be wondering what the answer to that question is. And maybe you recognize that God loves us together. He loves us corporately, yes, he loves us, but maybe your question goes a little deeper. Does God love me? I would venture to say that there's not one of us in this room who has lived long enough who hasn't asked that question. Does God love me? I want to invite all of us to look to the cross and find the answer tonight. Tonight we look to Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 39. If you'd like to follow along in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 852. Here again of God's great love for you. Verse 16. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide which each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. 
And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, This man was the Son of God. The narrative we just read, again, is not a fable. It is history. It is the true story of the price the Lord Jesus Christ paid for you so that you might be among that number of whosoever who believeth in him and thereby you might be among that number who will not perish but have everlasting life. He was beaten. The Bible says that he was marred beyond human recognition. So intense was the scourging he underwent. He was mocked. They clothed him in a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. And then they took reeds and notice the verb tense. They were Hitting him with them. They were spitting upon him. He was stricken. They took his garments and gambled on them. They derided him. They reviled him. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, after crying out, it is finished, he gave up his spirit and died. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That which separated God from the people and the people from God was torn in two so that the way was made for anyone who would come to come to God through Christ and to find forgiveness, to find a relationship with Almighty God, to be healed and cleansed and made new. In that moment, the way was open for all who would come. And yet so many looked upon that old rugged cross that we cherish and said, See, I told you it wasn't true. Tonight we gather as the people who believe it is true. And who believe that its truth was no less potent then or more potent now 
Its truth shapes who we are. It is the foundation upon which we build our lives. It is the anchor of our soul that gives us hope forever. Why did he do it? He did it for you. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Seven centuries before the coming of Christ, Isaiah prophesied those words about this day. When our sin would be placed on the sinless Savior. And he would pay our debt in full. Tonight we come to the table of the Lord. And we come to participate in a meal that our Lord himself instituted, a lasting ordinance whereby we remember the great price that he paid for us. As we come to this table, we don't take this lightly. The Bible calls us to examine ourselves. And so before I invite our deacons to join me, before we take the lids off of these elements or before if you would rather not participate in this way you go to the back and get some prepackaged elements the choice is yours I want to invite us to pause together to look within and to ask God to search us to show us the offensive ways in us and to create in us clean hearts by his spirit would you pray with me Lord we come on this good Friday to the table of the Lord to celebrate a meal, a holy and lasting ordinance that you instituted in the upper room so many years ago. You call us, Lord, to take this seriously. You tell us that if we are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should not participate in this meal. That we do not come to the table flippantly, but, Lord, carefully. And so in that spirit, we ask that you would search us, O Lord. And show us any offensive ways in us. We we turn away from our sin and yet again we turn to you. Create in us clean hearts, O God. And renew steadfast spirits within each of us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite Mike Jones and Jeff Guerin to join me at the table. The Bible tells us that on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. We know that they were celebrating the Passover, and so this bread would be unleavened bread, matzah. 
And he gave thanks for it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And he instructed them to take and to eat, and in so doing, to remember. Well, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate in this meal. And in just a moment, our deacons will pass the plates around so that you too may take a piece of unleavened bread from the tray. We invite you to hold it. And as you hold it, to listen to our choir, to listen not only to the beauty of the song, but the message of the song, and to allow the Lord to continue to work in your heart. And then once we've all been served, we will all partake together. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for this small piece of bread that is a symbol It symbolizes your body, which was given for us. As we receive this piece of bread, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, may we here reaffirm our faith. May we surrender yet again to your lordship in our lives. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now take, eat in remembrance of him. In the same way, also after the supper, he took the cup. He said this cup was special. He said it was the cup of the new covenant in his blood. No longer would the covenant between God and human beings be written on tablets of stone, but no now. It would be written on hearts of flesh, sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit for all who trust and follow Jesus. It was the new covenant not in the blood of animals sacrificed to partially atone for sin. No, it's a new covenant in the blood of the precious Lamb of God who died once for all so that all who trust and follow Jesus might stand in forgiveness recognizing that His blood covers over all our sin. In just a moment, our deacons will distribute to you the cup and if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ we invite you to take the cup and to hold it and as our choir sings to listen not only to the beauty of the melody but the message of the song the meaning of the lyrics and remember just how much God loves you would you pray with me Lord, you tell us that this cup is the cup of the new covenant in your blood. And the cup that we will all hold in just a moment symbolizes that cup, symbolizes your blood, which was shed for us. We thank you for it. And now, Lord, as we receive this element, we pray that you would continue to draw us close to you. Help us see Jesus, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take, drink, and remember.
Would you pray with me? Lord, how great a price you have paid for us to make us free. How marvelous, how wonderful is your overwhelming love for us. We thank you that through this meal, this holy and lasting ordinance, we proclaim your death in which we find life. In Jesus' name, amen.